My name is Keith Beavers, and I just found out that the speed of a computer mouse is measured in Mickeys. Mickeys. Get it? <laughs> You're welcome. What's going on, wine lovers from the Vine Paired Podcasting Network? This is the Wine 101 Podcast. My name is Keith Beavers, and I am the tastings director of Vine Pair. Yes, I am. Okay, today we're going to a little place called Roussillon. It's right next to the Languedoc. It's sometimes put together, but they're very separate. So we're going to talk about it itself so you can get into these awesome wines. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by the language of Yes, a love letter to southern France sent from California. Pioneering winemaker Randall Graham's vision leads this old world, new world winemaking tribute with traditional winemaking methods like pestiolage, post-harvest drying. This imparts notes of crushed lavender, rosemary, and sage to the Syrah and hints of strawberry rhubarb in the Grenache. These wines scored high with critics. To try language of Yes Grenache and Syrah, visit thebarrelroom.com. So when I did the Languedoc, Languedoc, Languedoc episode, I did it knowing that not a lot of wine lovers know this particular wine region. I hope you do now, of course. It's one of the largest wine regions in the largest wine region in France. I also mentioned that it's often hyphenated with its neighboring wine region to the west, Roussillon. But because of the you know how big Languedoc is, I had to dedicate just one episode to it. Last episode, we talked about Girard, and we talked about like, the, the yellow wine, the sort of oxidative stuff. And I think because of that, now that that's in your mind, I think we need to talk about Roussillon, because this is a place that you probably have never heard of. And if you have, awesome, that's great, because these wines are great. But if you haven't heard of it, the Roussillon wine region was traditionally focused primarily on sweet wines. And it thrived at a time, we talk about this all the time in the wine world, in the wine the history of wine. It thrived at a time when sweet wines were popular because they were the wines that could travel and not die and just flab out on a ship run to another market. I mean, it's thought that this is the region where the idea of adding spirit to grape must to stop fermentation was invented, discovered. It's called mutage. This happens in port. It happens in Madeira, which we're going to get into, but they don't often use that term. They use the term fortification. And as far as tradition goes, this is a very different wine situation that was happening to the east in Languedoc. Also, the people here, are very closely tied to northeast Spain, a place called Catalonia. And literally, it's just over the Pyrenees. So what happens is this: you have France. In southern France, it looks like a little bit of an amphitheater, as we talked about in the Languedoc episode. And Languedoc takes up the primarily the eastern part of that amphitheater. To the west of that, there's a town called Narbonne. Just west of Narbonne, this is where we're getting into the Roussillon territory. And as we keep heading west, we're heading towards Spain. 
So we get to a town called Perpignan. And this town, I've been here, it's amazing. This is kind of the big city town that represents Roussillon. Then we, this is on the coast. We keep going, keep going, and we hit the Pyrenees. The Pyrenees are a mountain range that borders Spain and France, and it's so high that you can see snow-capped mountains all through summer. And it's extremely, extremely windy. I have a story, I'll tell that in, in a second. But from Perpignan going inland, we start to get into these the very hilly area. And this is where a lot of Roussillon wine is made. But there's also wine being made on the coasts, which we'll talk about in a second. But this is Roussillon. You have, just like Languedoc, where Languedoc had a sort of coastal wine area, and then as you go inland, it gets a little bit hilly. Well, here, it doesn't get hilly. It gets mountainous. There's a reason why the department of France that this Roussillon is in is called the Pyrenees Orientales. Did I say that right? And although there is fertile land towards the coast, which there always is, the majority of this area has poor soil, so the two crops that really thrive here are olives and grapes. And whereas last episode we were talking about Jura, how it's the coldest wine region in France, here in Roussillon, it is the sunniest wine region in France with 325 days of sun. But because of it being in this very mountainous sort of foothill region, like I said, the winds are absolutely, they're, they're, it's a very windy place. It's very insane. I have a story. I was in the Pyrenees visiting these wine re- this wine region. This is an amazing wine region. And my colleague and I were up in some part of the mountain and we, were, we needed to go to this old hermit house. And you could only get to the hermit house with a rope. You had to use a rope to climb along this wall to get to a stairway to get to a house. It's on top of a mountaintop hill thing. But the thing is, you had to use the rope because the winds were so bad you could fly off the mountain. I'll never forget it. It was terrifying, but it was awesome. And so even though it's the sunniest, that wind regulates the vineyards. It also does a lot of work for a certain kind of wine we're going to talk about in a little bit. But this is the thing. Roussillon is, like I said, was known in, you know, up from the 14th century through to like the 19th century in the early 20th century as a sweet wine producing region. It's only in modern times that it's starting to be somewhat recognized for their dry whites, dry reds, and rosés. And one of the reasons why we may not know about Roussillon on our market is number one, it's not as plentiful, but they're out there and you should go look for them. But also because it's known for sweet wines, the thing is sweet wines aren't as popular now with humans (laughs) that drink wine than it was back in the day. Because back in the day, these were the only wines that could travel. Therefore we were into them. But as we evolved and we're into a more of a modern time, these sweet wines are more of um, a curiosity, but they're great, but they're more of a curiosity because we're more into dry reds, whites, and rosés now. So Roussillon is beginning to, in the past 10 or so years, 
trying to focus a little bit more on their dry red wines and some white wines and rosés and just having the legacy of these sweet wines there. And the legacy of those sweet wines are in three appellations. Also, something that has to be noted is that when we were, when we were talking about the Long Duck, um, in, the, in the Long Duck episode, I mentioned how independent these winemakers are and how they are adverse to change and they don't like rules. They don't like guidelines, not all of them, but there's enough of them that they kind of just want to do whatever they want to do, what they've been doing for a long time. And these rules come around like, what are these rules doing here? We're already doing this stuff. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, you know, that kind of stuff. And that may as well have, I don't know, hindered the distribution of wines from this place, but it shouldn't. We should be getting into Roussillon no matter how it's made because this is a wonderful wine place. So let's get into it. Okay, so similar to Languedoc, the red wine grapes that are being used here in Roussillon are Carignan, Grenache, Morvedre, Syrah, Sanso. That is what we see from Provence all the way over to the Pyrenees with the region still having sort of a love-hate relationship with Carignan. More Carignan is being made. People are kind of saying, you know what? This is part of our legacy. It's part of who we are. It's part of our history. Let's try to make this thing awesome. I've tasted some great Carignan from Southern France. And something that's unique to this area is a grape called, and I don't know if I'm going to say this right, Le Lander Pelou, which is a relative of Grenache. Noir, Blanc, Gris, all of them. And for the white wine grapes, Muscat Blanc is used. Also Muscat Blanc, a petite grand. These are grapes that are used mostly for these sweet wines I'm going to talk about. But because, again, the sweet wines aren't as popular anymore, more of these, more of these areas are making dry white wines from the Muscat grape, which happen to be really awesome. Like perfumed, aromatic, but dry on the palate. Like just a really wild, awesome white wine thing. And really, Roussillon is not known as a white wine producing region, but it's known as rare. But that's that's not going to be the future. The future of Roussillon is they're going to have more and more white wine being made. So the white wine grapes they work with that are not the Muscat grapes are Grenache Blanc, a grape called Macabeu, which is used in Spain for cava. And a grape brought from Spain to Sardinia and then from Sardinia to Roussillon. I don't know which came first, but it's a grape called Torbato or Torbat. And the one thing about white wines coming from Roussillon, and one of the reasons why I think we should have more of them on the American market is just like the Marsan Roussan varieties from the Rhone, these are kind of lowish acid white wines. So they have depth to them. They have it's 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 kind of awesome. In Roussillon, just like in Languedoc, they are planting Chardonnay, but like these wines that are native grapes to the area really have the, enough depth themselves for, there's no need for Chardonnay in this area, but it's there because Chardonnay is everywhere. Okay, so the Appalachians in this area. I'm going to explain the Appalachians, and it's going to be very similar to what you've heard. There's a village thing and all that. But the thing is, because these because this area is not very familiar to a lot of people, I think what I would hope you take away from this episode is just to go out there and find wines from Roussillon to try because they're really great. And whatever's on the label is on the label. And I'm going to explain all this in a, in a second. But if you see one, grab it and try it. And then maybe come back to this episode and see 
what you got. So covering the entire region is the Côte de Roussillon appellation. This is, you can make red, you can make white, you can make rosé, you can make sweet wine. I think you can even make sparkling wine. But for the reds, the only thing is you have to make, you have to use at least three of Carignan, Grenache, Mavedra, and Syrah. And then from there, like in other wine regions in France, you have the Côte de Roussillon village. And just further inland from Perpignan, we get into the very hilly area of the region. And in here, there are five communes that can append their commune or village name to Côte de Roussillon. And join me as I butcher these names. Caramani, Le Tour de France, La Scared, Tote Tavel, and Les Apres. And just like anywhere else in France, the reason they are they can be appended is because of their specific areas. Sometimes it's soil. Like there is in Caramani, Nice dominant soil. We'll talk about it in the soil episode. But like in La Tour de France, there is brown schist. These wines, these soils do well for certain wines. Like in Le Scare, it has to be primarily Carignan, Syrah, and Morvedra. There's not a lot of Senso going on there. So every little commune has their own rules to separate themselves from the larger Côte de Roussillon. So that pretty much covers the dry wine situation in Roussillon. You just got to go out there, find them, enjoy them. You can even tag me in there, Vine Pair Keith. Just, I want to see them because I love this place. And I love seeing wines out there in the United States from Roussillon. Now, we have to talk about this history here, the legendary sweet wines of this area that were once celebrated on the level of all the other sweet wines you had out there during the time before modern winemaking. And this is the thing. We're not going to see a lot of these wines around. You kind of got to seek them out. But there is a appellation called Maury, M-A-U-R-Y. It's sort of in the northern part of the region. Then you have a region called Banyul, B-A-N-Y-U-L-S. And then a commune or appellation called Rivesalt, R-I-V-E-S-A-L-T-E-S. And the latter two are more towards the south. And what these places are known for is a wine called Vin de Naturel, which means naturally sweet wine. But it's not really naturally sweet. This is where the moutage word comes in, which the port region calls fortification, in that a spirit is added to the grape must to stop fermentation to retain what sugar is left in the wine. And then what they do is they, it's basically called madurizing, which is a word that comes from Madeira, which again, we're going to talk about this season. But what you're doing is you're allowing the wine to be exposed to oxygen. And there's a couple words for this. One of the words they use in Roussillon is called, well, they have Vin du Naturel's name of the wine. They also call it Rancio, R-A-N-C-I-O. This is a, a, what they do is they take the wines, they put it in a barrel in a drafty room, or they put it in like carboys. I've seen it. I've seen white wine made this way, put into carboys and just tossed outside of a winery to let it just be under the elements and to take in the sun and to oxidize a little bit 
turning into what, when we talk about Van Jean from the Jura, that, that yellow wine, kind of the same thing is going on here. They're very deep and dark and nutty. And depending on whether you're in Banyul, Mori, or Reeves Salt, they have different proportions of the different kinds of grapes, you know, within that list that we've talked about that they use. And like in Reeves Salt, you can't release a wine until for 16 months. So it's a very, they're not hard to find, but I must tell you that, especially Reeves Salt, we're going to, you see those more often than you see Mari or Banyul, but they're wonderful. They're dark, they're nutty, they have all these cool, like, tertiary aromas that you would usually get from aging. And the even cooler thing is, is that outside of these three places, if you make Reeves Salt, you can actually, and it's, it's not made the way the rules state, like you want to do whatever you want because it's Roussillon, they don't like rules. They put a rule in place for that. <laughs> they call it Grand Roussillon. So if you're making one of these Rancio or Vin du Naturel wines and you're not adhering to the rules within those three communes, you just call it Grand Roussillon. It's kind of a cool, overreaching, overarching, whatever umbrella rule that is pretty acceptable for people who don't like rules. So you see how I got a little confusing there for a second? <laughs> but just go out and find Roussillon wine because I promise you, you're going to love them. They are food friendly. They are, they can be deep and dark and full body and intense. They can be sort of medium bodied, sweet. There's, Again, just like Jura, there's a wide range of, of styles from a small place. All right. This is the last French episode of the season. Next week, we're going over the Pyrenees. Get ready for Spain. Vine Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. Ian J. Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pairs Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide spectrum of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wine. Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but this is a wine podcast. Whether you are new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. Visit thebarrelroom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.